welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski. Here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Great. On today's show, we have a lot to talk about. So we're going to dive right in and talk about a film that opens tomorrow, Friday, October the 15th. It's called Mass. And it's written and directed by Fran Kranz in his directorial debut. Uh, I thought it was a very impressive debut. It stars Reed Burney and Dowd, Jason Isaacs, and Martha Plimpton. And the premise of it is that two sets of parents come together after uh, years after a tragedy that had um, unfortunately brought their lives altogether and the the premise is also that they're coming together for a talk it's interesting how uh Kranz sets up the situation he, he starts off in this way where he's focusing on inane details and stuff but you know everybody seems to be setting up this everybody that you see at the beginning seems to be setting up this premise of oh they are coming and they will be here you know and you're not really sure what they until what they, what they're doing, who they are, until finally uh, the four people sit down, and you know from the way it's set up, and but you also know from the way the actors are behaving in terms of body language and stuff that this is very awkward and it's very difficult, and that's you know that's kind of like busy, but once the film starts, it just focuses on them. And if that sounds boring, listen up. It, it's completely the opposite. That film, it just draws you right in. The acting, it depends a lot on the acting. Um, and everyone delivers. It's, uh, it's a brilliant premise in, a, in the way also that it allows the filmmaker to just focus on people like the couples and individuals and just sort of go back and forth uh, but it gets very telling in the way that he the way that he transitions between people in the discussion and as the discussion starts to ramp up and get more and more tense and more is, is revealed um, and I just found that it, it worked so well in terms of emotional logic especially the filmmaking like I said like sometimes at the beginning it's like at the beginning of the conversation, it's like a little more smooth, even though it's awkward and tense. And then there are certain points when the tension builds and all of a sudden you've got, you know, shaky camera and a, like a very rough transition between shots. Um, this is uh, a life-changing experience for the characters. Um, but it also, it, I found that the, the situation and what they're talking about and the points of view expressed, the insights expressed, asked me for as a viewer for a kind of compassion and understanding that is really difficult to give and that you see a couple of the characters are having a hard time with. Um, and it's life-changing for them, but it's also kind of life-changing for the viewer because of the perspective one of the perspectives that it puts forward. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a very um, kind of profound film in its con constructions. And I, you know, not to give away too much, because but this it was referenced in the trailer that it's 
a film where essentially one child has killed another. Um, and, and that's as far as I'll go. Cause that's what was established in the, the trailer, but how this film situates both sets of parents, their grief, their anger, the frustration and how they're each searching for answers in their own way. I found really compelling. Um, there is some wonderful moments where one sets of, one group of parents, um, Martha Plimpton's Gail and Jason Isaac's Jay, they are essentially looking for a type of retribution. Like they want guilt from the other people. They want essentially the other set of parents, um, Linda and Richard to say, we are wrong. We take all responsibility. It's all our fault. You know, kind of a, yeah, we, they want them to feel a certain level of pain, not realizing that Linda and Richard on the opposite side of things have gone through their own hardships. And, you know, there were certain things that they saw from their perspective that may or may not have been warning signs may or may, may have been just an insignificant detail, but in the grand scheme of things, when you look back at it, it's much greater, but it also, they also provide an aspect that I, a lot of us would don't really think about. And that is whenever there is a murder um, we often look at it from the victim's perspective, but we never actually think about the assailant's family and what they endure. Like there's a lot of details that they give, um, especially after the incident occurs that you think back and you go, oh yeah, that's right. Like, we usually memorialize the, the victims and we try to erase and ignore um, the assailant without thinking but the assailant is actually a person too, whether they be troubled or not. Like, it's a very interesting dynamics and as you said this is a, a film where it's, it's with single location so it's all based on the performances and every single actor is is phenomenal um i yeah. think it just the way how it's constructed and I, I like that they use insignificant side characters at the beginning to fill in some of the details you know give you enough backstory that you're kind of like okay i kind of understand i think i know what's going on and then once you really uh, things unfold it, it really hits you even more and yeah every actor gets a chance to to shine in this film yeah and i know that um i know that every actor like really gave a standout performance but i i do have to um give credit to ann dowd as linda the mother of um well maybe yeah. i shouldn't say that part <laughs> no 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 <laughs> it's no it's 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 that's that's not um like i completely agree with you because she brings a certain level of understanding and compassion to the role that I think works. And it, and it works. She's nicely juxtaposed with Martha Plimpton's Gail, who is cold from the beginning because she's kind of set in her views, set in, in her own pain. And you've got this other side where I think what makes Ann Dowd's performance so fascinating is she has to convey pain but she also has to convey a certain strength you know there's some moments where she talks about their roles as parents and at the end of the day every parent wants to feel like they did the best they could you know and who are we to judge whether or not? like it's it's her her character is very fascinating and i think martha plimpton is also equally good because they're they're polar opposites in many ways but they're also very similar Yes, absolutely. In, and in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And and the way, as you said, that Martha Plimpton's character 
is cold from the beginning and, and there's this sort of anger. And, but it's once you, once you start hearing what happened um, and her perspective, you, it's easier to understand at the beginning where she's coming from. And mm. the reason I think that Anne Dowd really stood out was because she's got the more difficult part and her character in some ways is having um, a more difficult time trying to communicate to others what it's like from her point of view as a mother Mm -hmm. and what it has been like from her point of view as a mother. Um, It's it's a very difficult thing to convey, convey and she like she really rose to the challenge and uh, exceeded (laughs) exceeded you know any expectations um and comes up with this character that you can't help um but feel something for yeah and there's also an interesting juxtaposition in terms of like how the the female characters are situated at the beginning compared to the men because the men at least at the beginning try to smooth this meeting over as as best as they could you know and try and stick to the agreed rules of the meeting you know you're not going to be accusing we're just going to converse and you know they try and say well maybe we shouldn't show this particular photo and whatnot but even they start to unravel as well because the women are kind of showing their emotion from the beginning you know where they they stand the struggle whereas the guys trying to keep a, a, a certain facade that they can't maintain um so yeah, I, yeah. it's difficult yeah it's difficult mm-hmm. for all of them yeah in their own way it's uh the more you think about the film the more layers you can see in the situation but but also in the performances you know as yeah. you as you unwrap everything and also, I like that they, it's a very politically charged film, but the politics are always secondary to the human emotion um, because mm-hmm. there's times, especially where the men get into a lot of political discourse and they try to psychoanalyze. And I, I found that kind of interesting too, because I think it's in general, well, partly thanks to the media and stuff, we tend to overanalyze certain things and say, well, if A wasn't going to happen or if we didn't have a then b wouldn't exist and it's all it's far more complicated than that and this film kind of touches on that but doesn't get caught up in it it's you know at the end of the day regardless of how we may approach something from a distance unless you are truly at the heart of it unless it's really directly impacted your family a lot of the you know well this shouldn't have happened or i would never completely all that stuff goes out the window when it's when you're stuck in the middle and you have to realize the harsh realities of what actually occurs and you know what you're left with how the ripple effects on mm-hmm. on everyone so yeah just a, a really wonderful film and the, again the performances like you know there's times where you have a film where it's just people talking and you don't it doesn't feel cinematic but this one did I, i'm hesitant to say rewarding but it is rewarding it's a rewarding cinematic experience in the sense of the understanding that we come away with, you know, the deeper, the deeper understanding and the, 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 the deeper ways that we can think about this kind of tragedy. Okay. So I think as the Greeks used to do it, it was the tragedy first and the comedy second. Yep. That's or last, right. right? <laughs> um, in terms of uh, movie going experiences this week, 
I'm Your Man is uh, the other film we're going to talk about. And it is also opening tomorrow, Friday, on October 15th. And this one is a German production. It's directed by Maria Schrader. And it's an interesting uh, sci-fi rom-com kind of <laughs> kind of mashup uh, that completely works in, in my eyes. Um, a uh, an academic is um, you know she's trying to complete her work, uh, but her boss, who's like withholding the funds, uh, really wants her to participate in this experiment, this other experiment that has nothing to do with her work. Um, and what it is, is she, she is supposed to test out this model of robot. And the robot is this sort of new invention um, where it's a man who has been specifically, he's a humanoid kind of robot, and he's been specifically designed to be her perfect life partner. Um, and everything in him has been programmed and tailored to her character, her preferences, her needs, her wants. And also he's been programmed to, um, to adapt, you know, to how she reacts uh, in order to, to become more and more perfect in terms of life, life partner. And I was sort of skeptical at the premise, um, but. I do, I do love the beginning. And I'm not, I wasn't skeptical at the end. It completely uh, won me over. And uh, part of that is because it has this brilliant opening scene where we're plunged into this, like, this world. This is where she first meets him. We're plunged into this sort of cabaret, you know, if you think of the movie Cabaret, uh, this cabaret-like atmosphere of dancing and cocktails. And it's just this, like, celebratory circus-like atmosphere where people are there with their robot, humanoid robot matches, right? Uh, and then and then the film, it, it really interesting how it just sort of like settles into daily life. But uh, I, I love how it's perfectly balanced um, in terms of the perspectives. It, the situations are interesting and it's sort of unusual and nothing's really too predictable. Uh, and also the filmmaking has this sort of way of being lively at some points and then countering that with this more measured kind of pace. Um, and it plays out, you'll see, it plays out in this, in, in sequences where someone is walking and it has this like great payoff, like sort of at the climax of the film uh, when there's like tension between her and the robot <laughs> when she's sort of, you know, trying to reject it because of but her logic is telling, telling her and telling us as it of course would that it, it makes no sense to get emotionally attached to this robot. And yet he, he just seems to adapt and, you know, Anyway, so in terms of the walking, like we basically see her mostly walking and it's like this very measured, you know, walking, walking, walking. And then at, at, at the climax, it's like, it's him walking. And, and then you'll see how it plays at, at the end. Um, 
yeah. So I, yeah, I just thought it was like very unique, kind of original. Uh, definitely not something you've seen before. Even like I'm so skeptical about romantic movies, right? I just like I'm I'm sick of rom cons. They're all so you know, um, but this has a lot more depth. Um, it even has some insights into you know, people. Um, societal expectations, people's expectations, you know, views of loneliness, things like that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one as well. And it's it's definitely not your typical rom-com. Um, you know, there's, as you said, it's a very surprising film. Uh, the, the robot that plays Tom, you know, this is a, a German film, but it's played by Dan Stevens, who I believe is a British actor because he's known he for is, like... He's- He's from Downton Abbey. Yeah, like Downton that's, Abbey. was his breakout role, was Downton I, Abbey. I remember him from the film The Guest, um, which is a really great um, genre thriller. And also the Disney live action Beauty and the Beast. He played the, the Beast. So he's, he's a very handsome dude. So you could understand even in robot form how yes. most women would probably <laughs> fall for him. Whereas um, Maren Eggert's character, Ama, is just reluctant on many levels in many ways she she's fiercely independent but she is also miserable and i don't think she fully realizes how miserable she is and some of it is stuff beyond her control with like past relationships and then some of it was of her own making and she's kind of caught in a in a in a loop which really impacts how she interacts with this humanoid Tom, uh, but over the course of the film, there's a lot of interesting connections that are made. Um, and, you know, she has to kind of make a decision on whether or not she would recommend these type of humanoids to, I guess, be allowed to exist in society and ex- allowed to have a lot more freedom than they currently have. And you know, I, I don't necessarily know if I agree with her choices um, in, in this film. Like this film raises a lot of interesting questions about companionship, happiness, uh, the idea that what it is to be human and the, mm-hmm. the constant need to pursue things that may not be attainable versus having instant gratification of having something that knows everything that we want. And you know, I, I struggled with some of the logic in the film because I think we are already a society thanks to our cell phones and technology that are constantly craving um, instant gratification. But I also saw the use of individuals like Tom for individuals that maybe have disabilities, individuals that might have um, physical or even mental disabilities that would instantly take them off the list of a lot of people in terms of attractiveness, even though they are wonderful people, you know, uh, a companion humanoid like Tom, you know, could bring a lot of people happiness, could also serve as both a partner and a, a caregiver. Like, you know, there was, I, I felt that Alma's views on many things was, was very narrow simply because she was so caught up in her own head, her own ego at times. But that also made the film interesting to to watch unfold you know mm-hmm. and the yeah. times where she was so upset because she figured tom would just kind of bow to her every whim and command and as you see tom is constantly learning and there's times where he was he refused he showed that he could be his own 
individual, even if I didn't necessarily agree with all of her actions, I, I still quite enjoyed it. And it was nice to have a, a different type of rom-com. You know, it yes. just, I felt like I was watching something fresh and original. Yes, yes. And, and I do like um, the fact, I do like the fact that it, it made me think about certain things in relationships in, in, in terms of perfection and what you actually want. Yeah, it made me think about a lot of things, and it made me think about expectations that people have, and and these notions. Like, it even made me think of the notion, like some women, you know, say things like, "Oh, I've got him trained well." It's like, you know, that was always an awful thing to say, and now it's worse. <laughs> now it's just, I'm not sure. I love the ending of this film, though. Um, but. At least it doesn't neatly tie anything up. So I'll give it credit. I think that that's to its credit. So what do you want? Where do we we want to go next? I think yeah, we both re- recommend "I'm Your Man." Yeah, yeah, definitely recommend tomorrow. checking that one out. Yeah, October 8th, October fifteenth tomorrow. Okay, so where would you like to go from here? Well, you know, before we go, we could do some quick streaming recommendations because uh, we haven't done that in a while. And I know there's one show that a lot of people have been talking about online that's on Netflix, which I finally caught up with, which was uh, Squid Game, the nine episode uh, Korean, I guess, smash hit that's on Netflix. And I highly recommend it. It's I can understand why so many people have been caught up on it. It's a, a film that essentially... You follow this father who is down on his luck financially and he gets this car to partake in this mis- this kind of children's game where he can get a chance to win money. And before you know it, he's whisked off to this mysterious place with a whole bunch of people, like over 400 people. And you find that they're essentially put in this facility where they have to play a series of children's games. And the, the more that if they can win six of the games, they will win this vast pool of millions of dollars. Uh, but the catch is, if you lose at a game, you essentially die or are taken care of. Uh, so it's it's a the show is a little violent. Uh, I wouldn't say Game of Thrones level violent, but it's but it's a fascinating study of capitalism, but also Korean culture and Korean history. Um, they look at even racism within Korea and how Koreans treat like migrant workers and stuff. So it works on many levels. Um, plus, you're getting this really captivating tale where you're seeing adults play like red light, green light and tug of war, knowing full well that there are lethal consequences to each of those games. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a just a sensational series. And for for nine episodes, I was completely hooked. So I'd, I'd highly recommend. Wow, Squid that Game. sounds fascinating. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, especially I mean, this sort of like. The menacing take it must have uh, taken on when you're, as you say, they're t- they're playing kids' games, <laughs> red light, green light, and meanwhile it's in this context. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll have to check that one out. I'm a little late to that game, and I'm a little squeamish. So uh, I think you will be able to handle it. I I think by time you get to the after the second episode. Um, because you, you, the second episode especially establishes the choice that the, the individuals have, um, you know, and against you, there's a clause that if the majority don't want to play, then the games stop. But that 
things come into question in terms of like, you know, is, is it worth risking your life to, you know, have a better, better life financially and, and almost get a fresh start that money can provide. Uh, so it's, mm. it's quite, quite interesting. And I think the, the, a range of characters that they introduce will have you really intrigued. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of characters, that reminds me, I mean, I had this plan, obviously. So but it's a good segue <laughs> into a discussion of something that I caught. It's an HBO production, but it's on Crave. Um, it's called The White Lotus. And it is something that maybe it's kind of late in the game to be talking about it. But if you haven't caught it, it I, I would say it's a good time to go and uh to go check it out i recommend it uh, i have some quibbles about it but yeah i i recommend it uh it's a it's a blend of comedy and drama and it's just such a pitch black satire of rich white people mm-hmm. and the terrible consequences of them it and i say of them i was going to say it's not it's always not always their actions it's just how how they are how clueless and in their privilege and how uh, so self-centered in a way that they have no clue um but the character i mean i'm not trying to like paint it out with one brush and go oh you know they're all the same it's like that's the fascinating thing. There are these variances of character, like, and that's what I mean. Like it, it builds everything. The show, the show's strength come from how the characters are built up, not necessarily the storylines, the storylines, you know, are sort of, okay, they're fine. Um, my quibble, which is actually a big one is they don't, they don't all wrap up in the, in a, in the most satisfying way in terms of consequences. Um, there are, because some of these people do things in, in such ways that there should be consequences or, you know, I use the word should, but you would expect consequences in another context. And somehow the show just, and maybe that's the point it was trying to make. And I know that a lot of people were very unsatisfied with that the fact that there were no real consequences for some people um but in some cases it's just built up that way it's like this is showing you exactly how ridiculous the, the situation how ridiculous these people can be how they are there's like a you know a bit of a soap opera vibe in there so it's like it's not real it's sort of heightened um but in terms of the whole eat the rich kind of concept in a lot of the cases you're watching them eat themselves you're watching them do it to themselves um and unfortunately there are people there who get caught in that and it's not that the the series doesn't show that that is serious uh, it's just that, you know, I, I can perfectly understand some people going, 
you know what? No, there should have been consequences. But the cynic in me is going, no, this is exactly this is exactly what I expected because that's exactly the point, right? Yeah. You know, and I should say that you know this is about a resort in Hawaii where the rich come and they're just pampered and uh, like the the location is so exotic and so like out of reach for everybody and it's all so out of reach and so you know in some ways the ridiculousness of the white characters is is satisfying up to to a certain degree because of the way that they screw themselves up and there's no one to i guess properly keep them in check no, no, that's that's the actual yeah, that's the actual problem. And when they do something that does affect someone else, um, yeah, that's when you know the the unsatisfying. Uh, there's no consequences, uh, but if you're like, depending on your level of cynicism, there's part of you that goes, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the point. Look at these characters. Oh, that's interesting. And that's one that's on Crave, right? So I, I think I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I had I had a, a lot of laughs at the expense of the white people, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Just just in the like some of the performances, you just go, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I keep using the word ridiculous. So you're just like, ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, it's good, it's good for some laughs. Um, and it's good for some thought-provoking social commentary, satire. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that's it for our recommendations for this week, right? Yep, that's, that sounds good. Okay. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time.